Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome back to Get It Off Your Breasts Season 3. I'm Leanna Bird and myself and Emma Gannon are really excited this week to welcome our very first male guest on the podcast. Now, you may know this young man as one half of Rizzle Kicks or as a brilliant actor or indeed soon as a writer. I first met him on a panel that I was on with him about women in music. And I have to say, I was so impressed by his intelligent and nuanced view on feminism and about how he talked about being brought up by an incredibly strong woman, his mother, and the influence and effect that had on him. Both Emma, myself, and our producer Shola all agreed that he would be a brilliant person to pop our male guest Cherry on this, our beloved podcast. And so we are delighted to welcome this week, Jordan Stevens. So thank you so much, Jordan, for coming. We are sitting in my flat at the moment. and you were a little bit late, uh, a little bit flummoxed. Did you have to but... just drop me in here? <laughs> Listen, I honestly... It's a nice summer's day. We don't blame you. It's no, I wasn't. See, this is the thing. You have that. You believe really, that I was what I was just like running around Primrose Hill, just having a laugh. Like I wasn't. I genuinely have. I'm very poor organisationally. It's been my target of this year. I'm now, more... I'm now imagining you like on Primrose Hill, like just doing roly polies down I and wasn't. like losing track of the time. I was so working. I was no, I, was, I had, I genuinely thought, this is more ridiculous, that it was three hours after this. Oh. I apologise. I feel like I can't tell the time. No, no, we are genuinely, no, we genuinely, are really grateful. Yeah, Thank and we're you. so happy to have you here and so happy that you I'm are grateful. first male guest as Love well. Um, and as our guest, we would like to invite you first, as we always do, to get something off your breasts or chest this week. Yeah. Pecs. What, what would you like to get off your pecs? Um, so I think what I would like to talk about is Hollywood romance. Ooh. Yes. So, uh, that, not necessarily Hollywood romance in that it, it's, it's an, it's like a, um, an unrealistic depiction of what love really is. That, that, but more importantly, in my mind, the fact that I think there's a large proportion of people who find love actually incredibly difficult and we have a conventional idea based off of what we've seen and heard and also history to an extent um a lot of it's religious on how to love and it's if you've been brought up in an environment where it that you ne- haven't necessarily seen it in a conventional way or if you haven't um seen your idea of love reflected you could often fall into a place where you're um seen as i mean the word aggressor sounds a bit deep but like it, 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 there's a sense of shame that you don't understand something that everyone seems to get. Mm. Um, and I, 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 yeah. So my feeling is, is that like we, we, there would, there would be more harmony potentially, especially in the formulative years of our lives or when we start to understand the importance of relationships and the importance of, um, having another person there or more than one person there, depending on how you look at things. And I, I don't know. I just feel as though there are, there are, so there was quite rigid boundaries and, and, and rules that sometimes over 
I don't know. They, it feels like the, the rules or the concepts come before the understanding of a, of a person. And I often see people torn apart, um, or incredibly hurt or feel, you know, betrayed. There's like, there's all types of things with, with, um, with a lot, a lot of responsibilities that you have to carry. Um, and I really do believe that, that, you know, that love ultimately is, is, is one of respect and trust and, um, togetherness and presence and being emotionally attentive and, um, and yeah, just being someone's kind of rock and, and consistent, constant, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I think that, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I just, I, some, I've grown up watching myself and, and other people, um, in, in certain scenarios where they, uh, might find the route to their own harmony harder because um they are categorized as unable to love or um not a good person um when mm-hmm. i think especially with love more so than other things there's a little bit more to it mm. so are you talking more about the fact that like maybe you feel like a failure if you don't like attain this kind of perfect uh, Hollywood type love or are you talking more about like widening the boundaries of what relationships should look like like whether that's like more LGBT relationships more polyamorous um, just kind of e- expanding on what like even a relationship should be yeah it, it's it's it I think it's just around um, I I think it's I think it's that there's 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 an idea of of what a family sh- should look like and there's an idea of what or, or there's actually a genuine understanding of, of what goes into something loving. I, I'm not necessarily, I don't necessarily mean that there's not enough. I mean, that, you know, I, I could argue that there isn't maybe enough openness or acceptance of openness. I'm not sure. I know that like, um, you know, I, I'm in a relationship right now and I, I'm really understanding the benefits of a truly, you know, loving and committed relationship. But I know that like on my, path or my journey towards understanding that part of myself or it, it it's it's like I just don't know if 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 it's really emphasized how tough that can be for some people. So what I mean is 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 like therapy I've done from like the research I've read or, or the studies. I've done a few retreats and stuff like that. Um or quite often relationships are tough because they are reflective of what you experienced as a child. Um and you grow so much from navigating that. But if you trip up along the way, or if you're starting from a different standpoint to someone else, I feel as though there's you're you're sometimes pushed away from the idea of love. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I don't I don't know if I'm if I'm explaining myself very well. No, I think I think it's you're explaining it really well. And also in like mainstream culture of if we are talking about like the way love is depicted in TV and films and stuff, yeah. I feel like the ending is always like they lived happily ever after yeah. and it always ends on a wedding. And it's like, no, the hard bit is like the hard bit isn't falling in love and getting someone. The hard bit is like 10, 20 years of yeah. staying together. And, and talking why don't we talk about that bit? Yeah. I think also there's uh, there's a sense when you watch Hollywood films of like the good guy and the bad guy or the good girl and the bad girl. So it's like um, they'll be like maybe, you know, the most classic would be like, a you know, the, the main female and she's got like the really bad guy but who she really likes. But then she discovers the really good guy. And actually, yeah. like the reality is in relationships, like people can be shitty to each other. And I've had some relationships where I'd be like, he was a dick. But actually, the reality is I was probably a bit of a dick, too. And it's never that simple of like one person being stomped on. I mean, I'm sure there are obviously like horrifically abusive relationships yeah. where there's a lot of accountability more on one person's side. But the, the 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 norm for like the everyday relationship, the more normal ones is that 
both people have this kind of dynamic between them, which is becomes broken due to their own individual personalities. And it's not yeah. just one person is evil and one person is the innocent, which I feel like that is like a massive pressure to like label one as the good and one as the bad and yeah, who's the dumped massive. and who's the dumpy. And, and also like if, uh, if we talk about like, um, specifically the Hollywood aspect of it, we then move into conversations around like what we would deem as like say chivalry, you know? So you have, there's almost like an, a narrative, a scripted idea of what a, a grounded, you know, um, reliable man can do. But it's so, in my mind anyway, it's incredibly material. You know, there's, there, it's like a set of rules. You know, you, you open the door, you move out the chair, you pay for the meal, you, you know, you, um, you go to work, you, you, you look, take care of yourself, maybe in, in a financial, from a financial, um, aspect. Yeah. And I think, relationships that are based around capital and based around kind of like a financial achievement or, or I don't know. I, I just think that it, it, it loses what I now have grown to believe is the true aspect of love, the connection between two people and understanding a support system. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of guys, especially because of Hollywood and other things have believed that by accumulating power, for example, they might be able to gain the attention of, of certain women. And then the, there are some women who are complicit in that idea too. But then I think it flips, doesn't it? Because um, may, men maybe have this pressure of like, if you are successful, if you make money, if you like are doing well in life, then, you know, you're going to be attractive to women, which, which is true for some women. Um, but on the other hand, like women are portrayed as like, well, if you look beautiful and if you're kind of little and quirky and kind, yeah. of, kind of a bit scatty, but also really fun and kind of just look really, really gorgeous. And I don't know that, that then means that you're, that's your kind of currency. Certainly yeah. in like, well, that's, kind yeah, of Hollywood. Also, economy, do they, yeah. do they teach like love? What is love? In schools, I don't think they do, do they? Like, no. well, they, I, I you get taught just did sex, course. don't you? You get love. taught like the mechanics of sex, but you never get taught. Yeah, like that's what people do when they're there's, in love. There's a, an amazing charity called Tender who I, I did recently did a workshop with. I was invited down by some amazing people, and, and they they're doing that. They, oh, they're trying to go really into cool. schools because it that's actually a preemptive. Yeah. That's a, in preemption of domestic abuse, actually. Mm. Like because because of that misunderstanding of power dynamics and yeah. and people can say this is love when actually it's abuse. I, yeah, I exactly. I feel like something I wish I'd known as a kid, and I think this is probably true for men too, but predominantly women. Is like when I was young, when I was in a relationship, there was a tendency, there's a pattern that often comes in a relationship where one person is like being a little bit more the needy one, yeah. and the other person is a bit like, oh my god, stop nagging me, like I'm out of my friends, whatever. Yeah. And like I was definitely in that relationship, like at 15, and I was like, and I used to be like, oh my god, I totally take the blame for myself. I'm the needy one, and I've got to just back off and give him space. And I wish I'd known then that yes, I was being needy. But he was also feeding into that by being unavailable. And yeah. it is, again, it's that it's not one person's characteristic. I'm not needy in my relationships now at all. Yeah. But I had to learn that that was because when you start being needy, ask why. Like, what is that person not giving you that makes yeah. you feel like that and get out yeah. or change, you know, or talk to them and see if you can change it. Because you're not but... needy necessarily if you don't feel yeah. you have to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I just think if, if there was, if there's, if there was a place in which people felt unafraid to just simply explain um truly and honestly what was going through their mind and body or even given an attempt to to just sit with it mm -hmm. then i think there would be so much more progress rather than falling short being an attack on what mm. we conceptually consider to be a relationship what would you like to see hollywood doing more of them if they're going to write romances and love stories what do you think we need more of and maybe even you'd write one yourself yeah yeah well i think i think there's there's uh it would be in, it would be lovely to see um a shift in 
in narrative a uh, general narr- narrative of 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 power more more e- equality like a power equality in relationships um not necessarily there being a, a, a financial element and that being b- mm. being divvied between men and women and also i'd just you know those films where you see the root of something where you see someone genuinely overcoming a cycle so for example if you are if you're born into a family um and I, i'm just um, this is of what from what i've heard and seen and, and experienced a little bit myself but if you're if you're born into a family say where there's like one absent parent right like that that can lead into if you're not given space to understand the effects that has you can end up in a cycle that you're not even aware of mm-hmm. and you can end up being unavailable for a for a load mm-hmm. loads of people but in that unavailability you fall into a narrative of someone who is not good at relationships or a bit of a dick or like someone that you know is just like a waste of time mm-hmm. and you end, i think some people end up just living into that narrative because they haven't got any other options mm-hmm. whereas if there was and a story happy yeah, yeah, exactly. People They're not doing it out that, of... living, having the dream and just going off and being a yeah. little bit of a cad, but actually, it's not. It's, yeah. it's not. You know, it's not always. It's, that's not always very comfortable. And, and I think mm. if there was a story where someone acknowledged that and overcame, made their own choices that wasn't necessarily based on on a void, that was actually based on a feeling of fullness mm. and a conscious choice, that would be interesting to me. I feel mm. like you could write this, Jordan. Well, no, yeah. Well, I think that would be really interesting because I do think that it's very easy to just like stereotype and fall into the easy trap of like oh they're just unavailable because they're a dick it's like no 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 so much going on beneath that yeah and i think it's it's yeah and you often end up attracting people as well that remind you that i did Mm. one thing where right yeah they call even the word familiarity is 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 supposedly rooted in the word family you know so like if when you know get a feeling when you fall in fall in love or what we consider to be falling in love you, you go like, oh, I feel like I've known you forever. Yeah. You know, it's because yeah, actually yeah. they are reminding you unconsciously of patterns that you're used to. And that can cu- sometimes be, cu- be damaging if you haven't, if you have been given space. There was, there was a really interesting study. Um, and it showed that, um, women who had alcoholic fathers, you would have thought like rationally speaking, they would have seen the damage that being with an alcoholic caused for their mother and for them as a family but and they would have like steered clear of anyone but like actually it made in them a kind of like desire they they sought out um and they ended up a lot of them with people with that same problem with alcoholism because what they were hoping that they, this is what they the theory is anyway they were they were trying to create the same story but change the ending so i'm going to my dad didn't it, you know he it, it was awful with him but i'm going to find someone i'm going to marry them i'm going to save them i'm going to fix them and i'm going to yeah. cry the happy ending that i never got in my childhood so it's that kind of <sighs> gosh we could talk about this for so much longer that's such yeah. an interesting but i just i just think i just think it would be lovely culturally for there to be all i'm saying is for there to be space yeah just to discuss honestly, because sometimes painfully honestly, the yeah. nuances of coming out of of an unconventional mm. upbringing and not being seen as less than in society. Mm. I mean, bear in mind you get you get given tax relief for being married now in our society, which yeah. is I, I understand, but it is is exposing of of how we've mutated an idea. You know, marriage mm. wasn't birthed out of romance; it was yeah. birthed out of hierarchy and mm-hmm. and status and and, and ownership own, but ownership of women o- as well ownership. yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you know what i'm saying yes you give up your name you become the property your father gives you to your husband literally. i want people to love out of choice yeah. and not fear that's yeah. the thing yeah. it's not fear of the consequence of of things fear of punishment but out of a choice because they you know truly yeah. love another another person yeah. So, Liana, what's your topic to get off your breasts? So, 
I suppose this is quite topical. Um, this happened recently. We all watched in horror as the news footage and on social media as Notre Dame quite literally burned. And it was really shocking. It was, um, you know, really sad to see this, this beautiful, um, building of such historic value and obviously so sort of, um, important to the French people and their identity of, and, um, and of Paris and everyone's got memories of it and, you know, all the rest of it. And initially it was like, oh my God, this is awful. And, you know, they were talking about the fact that 13,000 trees went to build this. It was built in the 12th century. And then all the money started pouring in. So then we had like this billionaire offering 100 million euros. Then Yves Saint Laurent offering da 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 da. And basically like all this money started pouring in. And then the recrimination started and people were like, hold a minute. How can we be spending like 300 million or I, I don't even know how much it was, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions on a building when there are people literally dying on the streets, right? And again, I was like, yes, this is so true. Oh my God, this is awful. Then I started thinking about it a little bit further. And this is where I kind of like go to my third layer. And this is where I want to throw it to you two, which is that, so I co-founded this charity um, a long time ago, four years ago now called help refugees and we worked obviously as as it says on the tin with refugees and um i no longer work there day to day an amazing team run it but at the time i was getting i was doing a lot of like media stuff and i was getting so many comments coming in with people going like how can you be helping refugees when you have we've got a homeless problem here or the other one was how can you be helping refugees when there are children in this country who are living in poverty and I was always saying to them, hold a minute, it's not either or, first of all. It, and it, there, there is enough money in the world to help everyone. There is enough, there is enough potential in the world to help everyone if the will is there, right? So we, it, it, the fact that someone decides to give 10 pounds to help refugees and we give that to make soup for a refugee does not like directly take that from the pot that they were going to give a homeless person. It doesn't work like that. I don't sit there and go, do I want to help a refugee or a homeless person today with my 10 pounds? It doesn't work like that. What happens is you feel a connection to a cause and you go, and it may be, you know, it may be uh, something to do with an, a species, an animal issue. Someone might go, well, they're not as important as humans. Or it may be, you know, whatever it is that appeals to your heart. And I used to come back to people and go, "You, it doesn't work like that. And I, So then I was like, well, why shouldn't I apply that to Notre Dame? And like, yes, I do. Like, I personally think like preserving a building over human life. Yeah, of course it's wrong. But at the same time, those people would not have dig dug into their pockets and given that to homeless or refugees or cancer charity, whatever else, because for whatever reason, which is up to, you know, which they have to, you know, live with themselves and ask themselves those questions why it didn't spurn them on. It's not one pot that was being stolen from. So I, I kind of at that point wanted to ask your guys your opinion because I've almost gone back round and flipped round on myself going, we can't criticize people. If they want to give to a, to a cause, that is their choice. And maybe it's sad that they want to give to this cause over that one, but yeah. let it be i don't know what, what i mean do i think it does expose um the kind of reality of the situation which is people give money to things they feel emotionally attached to mm -hmm. and i wish it wasn't the case but people feeling an emotional connection to like a, a part of history that's close to them on their doorstep even people in england being like oh, i went to paris for my one year anniversary and i have this selfie in front of the notre dame blah 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 blah. it's oh, God, like the selfies everyone's <laughs> like it's me it, but then at the same time people give money to things that feel close to them and does that make people horrible i don't know i think for me the the the, the actual insult wasn't necessarily in people giving money it was the speed at which they gave money mm. and also it was it was the the fact it was two people 
So, so it was necessarily like there was a collection. It wasn't a collective thing of like, oh, everyone's raised money for this, but not for that. Um, it was like two people who were just going about their business just dropped 300 mil, like in a day. Yeah. Like, and mm. the question is, how are you just knocking about with 300 mil? How many things do you see in the news where 300 million euros just, you're just not going anywhere near it? And I, I do, I do think that like there is, and definitely I agree with what you're saying in a world that is ultimately ravished with tragedy, it is impossible, actually impossible to save everyone. Like it, you, you, you have to do what you can for your community. But, um, I think it was, it's considering how close it is to, Grenfell, mm-hmm. another building that burnt down with people in it, <laughs> like yeah. with hundreds of people inside. Um, I just, it's asked the question, like where, where are our equivalents of that, of that, of that design company? Like why think how many million, do you know, in, in London, for example, we have more billionaires than any other capital city. But that's, that's the point, isn't it? It's not about going, well, Yves Saint Laurent, you're a dick for giving the money to, um, to Notre Dame and not to help the people who are living homeless in the streets of Paris. It's about going, why don't people, why, why, why aren't there people in the world whose heart are touched by these human tragedies yeah. that they're, who have this money? Cause there, there are so many people that have this money clearly yeah. that can just drop it and fix something or not fix it. Cause you can't, you know, people have died. You can't take that back, but who can really, really help yeah. to, you know, and, and they're not. And why is that? Why is that not resonating with people in that same way with that amount of money? That's the, do they feel more removed from it or yeah, is it just like the way yeah. we're sold tragedy, like posters on the tube? It's not, it's not going there and seeing it firsthand. It's not. It's like too confronting almost, isn't it? Like it's exposing of another part of our humanity, which is in that, you know, Notre Dame is a beautiful building, but its heritage is, you know, it becomes conceptual in a way. And all of us as human beings, we choose concepts often over human mm. life in a way that like, people will fight for England, right? Mm. But if tomorrow we change our name to New France, no, like who, it's just an idea. But that's, the that's only like, thing that, that remains is, is, is the land. That's identity though as well, isn't it? Yeah. And I think particularly that this idea, this sense of identity is very strong in France. And I think Notre Dame, the Eiffel Tower, you know, the, these certain historic buildings are a really important part of that sort of French identity. But I was thinking, I was wondering like, what would have happened if like, say for example, big ben burned down or something like would would we have had any problem with it being rebuilt even though it cost a lot of money and 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 would people have said well actually big ben is one of the reasons that all these tourists flock to the uk is part of that and that brings in a hell of a lot of economy mm. so i don't know but oh, i, no, I no, mean I, look, don't get me wrong if i was a billionaire i i would not be choosing to do what yves Saint Laurent or this other billionaire did I just, I, I think we, we are in danger of hierarching causes. Yeah. The thing that made me think was this, uh, poet, Charlie Cox. She wrote a poem. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna paraphrase it badly, but, um, it was something like, we care more about rebuilding our history than we do about building the future. Yeah. So like, yeah. why wouldn't yeah. you put so more true. millions into like climate change than bi- rebuilding an old building? But then, okay. So and I, I 100% agree with that. And I was like, watch, reading that and it really, touched a nerve but again like how where does that end then because could you then go well hold on don't give to a cancer charity give to a teenage cancer charity because they're more deserving and then hold on don't give to a teenage cancer charity because you've got to give to there are babies and like how do you it's, how do you draw uh, a yeah, line and go know, like this is the most worthy cause in the world we can only support this one everything else has to take second place it's, it's hard yeah, yeah. but it's, it's i know what you're saying and i think the only thing i can i can i, I think for me personally 
that the correlation was Grenfell really. Yeah. That was that was what hit home. I think it seemed ridiculous on the basis that a lot of Notre Dame has been saved and that's an incredibly large sum of money in an incredibly short space of time. Yeah. But it's you wouldn't it's just the the parallel is too much. You know, it's just like yeah. We know that people is, and also it just reminds us that we go about our everyday business trying to get by. Actually, a lot of us giving money to charity. Meanwhile, there are these super, super rich people who are just dwelling and, and whenever they want, they just, yeah, just dip, you know, oh, you know what? I'll go. And I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think you can save anyone, but you can, you can change, you can change the, the levels of compassion or you can change the um importance that's i think what it is is imp- it's importance mm. maybe it's like it, it, it's it's the it's that a building can be instantly so important that i i don't know but I, it I, is but you're, you're right it's like so i know what you mean about charities though. i really do agree with you on that it's yeah just, but, so I, many. But, but then at the same time i do go like there's no way that you could ever say that a build like a, a building is more important than a human life or any life and why is it that these people with all this money like have more kind of connection and they can spend their money how they want. It's their money, right? That's, you know, it, it, it's better than that they spend it on something that they just keep it in their pockets and splash it on yachts or whatever. But why do they feel moved to spend it on a historic building and not to a building where lives were lost like Grenfell? That's the question, I, isn't it? And that's I, quite sad. To play devil's advocate, I think, you know, you, you walk past not just dumb every day if you live in Central Paris, which, by the way, is fucking expensive. So that makes a lot of sense already but like mm. you know and it is it is a massive it's a it is the face it is a massive aspect of a prison identity so i do understand a feeling of loss i don't think that's out of the question for someone to feel related in some way to an inanimate object um, pull on the heartstrings yeah i, I do understand people. that and maybe on the basis that it's based on your own subjective idea that's why you're more drawn to it because mm. you're you're not you're not having to conflict with with a reality if Notre Dame could think or speak then it might bring into question what people's love for it you Mm. know in the same way we're drawn to animals um or pets part of me thinks it's because they just can't say shit like you know because you're allowed to put you're allowed to imp like um what's the word impose Yeah, Yeah. yeah imprint your perspective or your idea of self onto something that won't be able to ever answer back Mm. so the real question is if Notre Dame could speak, would he tell the Bolognese or she, he or she, would it be like, I'm not bothered. <laughs> see, see all these homeless people sleeping outside, sort them out first. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I like my new look. What we should do is try and create a story where Notre Dame is just a person. Yeah. Because then it'd be interesting to see what Notre Dame would say to being saved in that scenario. I have to say, I, I almost feel like I would have been felt more ill about it if it had been like a crowdfunded thing and like ordinary people had put into it because I would have felt like, why aren't those people crowdfunding for like a really like for human life or, you know, whatever species survival, save our planet. Um, yeah. But I think, yeah, the fact that it was these two guys that just decided that was their thing was, yeah. I think it's really yeah. interesting what you just said there about how I don't think many people know that like 10 people own everything in the world. Didn't they yeah. just come like, out 1% of the population own half the land in England? Is there? Yeah, there's loads of like monarchs and that in it. Like all the all the lords and 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 shit. They got yeah. loads of space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the monarchs it makes me feel so ill because it just means that we're all here just doing our thing, and there's just people 
owning everything at the top who could fix so much it's like you said you could probably cure cancer or you know do something really significant if all those people just went dug into their they're like gold bars just sitting rotting in some room it? somewhere it's <laughs> like it's like a film it's like a bug it's like a bug's life you know that film a bug's life yeah. where he does that scene where he's like dropping the like little nuts or acorns on on the grasshoppers and then the whole theme is like if you don't attack these bugs they will realize that they outnumber you by yeah. like an unbelievable amount. So every time yes. we talk about politics, right, I always just have it in the back of my mind, just like a little voice just shows, maybe anarchy is the answer. Like, revolution <laughs> is coming. No, just because if we actually were that upset about something and everyone was, wasn't so trapped in capitalism and just stopped, yeah. I always think that would change. Oh my it. God. If, if yes. everyone just, you know what I mean? A bug's life. If you just tag. stopped, if you actually had, if everyone, if everyone, I can't believe we got from Notre Dame to Sorry. a bug's life. I love that. I love this. How we go on this tangent? <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I know, I, I do, I do know what you mean. I think it's just. I think for some people, it's heartbreak because you wish that people who had material money and societal power, um, do you wish that they would have almost inherently a desire to to drop that money on yeah. and do you know what maybe, maybe they the are question. maybe they are also giving to yeah, maybe they're like, giving loads to charity you know, who knows maybe they're just like absolutely paralyzed by the choice of who the hell do i give this to yeah exactly. and also or maybe if, they like the idea of being the saviors of france like we saved paris we saved france you know who knows also <laughs> I just like, and- there is also the danger that they just don't care when you're talking about the one percent mm. thing it's like sometimes i see there's there's if you can you can find the twitters of of like certain people who are like billionaires and the way they talk about stuff. Maybe they're psychopaths. Well, like, if you, t- like, if, even if, like, if you talk about, like, Rupert Murdoch or people of yeah. that level, right? Psychopaths. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> I haven't met him, but I can guess. But, like, the people of that level, right? They honestly, when we're talking about this stuff, Brexit, this book, back and forth, like, then, then, I just, they just, do- it's so yeah. below. It doesn't, honestly, I look at it, they're just like, they'll do tweets just to each other, these 10 people. <laughs> Just going like, going I mean, like, this inner like billionaire tweet. Do you know what I mean? They'll just look at it and they'll just be like, hey, you guys checked out Vice magazine or like, hey, you guys checked oh, really? out National they're Geographic. Even, and oh. they're talking, who are they talking to? <laughs> hey, you guys checked out National Geographic. They're like, have you looked at this massive like empire that of television that everyone consumes? I might just dip in. I might just dip into that. Do you know what I, I mean? I, I just read John Ronson's. Their own islands. <laughs> I just read John Ronson's The Psychopath Test, which basically is like, yeah, like oh, all these powerful people psychopaths. And so I think that's why they just, yeah, like, what's it, 3% of CEOs? Yeah, they just like the national. <laughs> it's just national power. Thing, it. <laughs> Something that I've noticed is that people expect other people to do free work free labor off the back of like doing a favor for feminism so m- at the moment it's like a personal thing where people Shots try fired. and get me to do free <laughs> stuff by saying like hey emma because you know you're part of the sisterhood we'd really appreciate it if you could like come down to this event and like unpaid work basically and also people saying you know to a feminist from another feminist but it's always like a big corporation trying to get money. This isn't like a charity thing. This isn't like an actual friend asking for help. That Those things I would definitely do. But it's also around International Women's Day when there's like this white guy at the top who basically gets their female junior employees to like put on this International Women's Day breakfast or whatever and they don't get paid. And I put on Instagram ages ago this like quote just saying, you know, by the way, everyone, if you're going to ask anyone to do anything for feminism, like make sure you pay them. Because what's empowering, what's more empowering than paying people? And um, the amount of people that kind of like slid into my DMs being like, I work at X massive company 
and I have to do all this empowering women stuff on the side for free. Mm. Um, so I just wanted to talk about that and how it's almost like a guilt trip of like help women, but work for free. Mm. Which is almost like the polar opposite of what it should be. Cause like part of the issue for equality for women is that they don't get paid. As, yeah. As and someone's getting paid. Someone's making yeah. money off it. And it's definitely not the women. I mean, that's it. That's what I wanted to say. That's like the, it's the commodification of, of like individual freedom. Yeah. It? It's like, let's put a hashtag on it and get people to come along and do it on top of your job. I think that's what, that's what really annoys me is that there's so many people out there who are just given extra work all the time for like the cause. And I suppose the frustration is a sense of guilt in saying no. Yeah. And I suppose I feel guilty when I say no. But if, if you're doing like a branded event around empowerment, someone is making money off this and it's not enough for me to just say, I'm a feminist, so I'm going to come along and work. It's hard to say no to that kind of stuff. So I've made content in the past for broadcasters um, when I've been working in part of a job and I've made like extra content for like Women's Day or whatever else. And I think if you say like, well, no, I don't want to do that unless I'm being paid, you feel like, oh, hold on, but the people I'm withholding it from are the women who would listen to this and benefit all the men yeah. who would listen to this and, you know, become a bit more knowledgeable, a bit more informed. And you you feel like, well, we should all do a bit, but you're right. If someone's making money of it and they're not paying women, that is like one of the core problems that we have to deal with. I, even know, I think I, I believe, I think maybe this is controversial, but I believe that activists should get paid. I, I think that you can be stuck in a very vicious, like dangerous cycle if people just think, oh, they'll do all that stuff for free. Well, it's, it's something I often see. Um, there are women of color on Instagram in particular who I, I like, I follow and they're like incredibly, you know, um, knowledgeable, educated women who are like sharing insights into how to kind of dismantle white supremacy and into racism. And they, one of the kind of messages I keep seeing them saying again is, you need to pay me for my education. Like it's all very well that I'm doing this work, but I need to pay my bills. And part of the whole problem is like black people working and not being paid properly and like other people benefiting off the back of it. So it kind of feels like across the field, like whether it's feminism, whether it's racism, whether it's an LGBT issue, if someone's kind of taking advantage of the fact that you're trying to dismantle a kind of oppressive system by getting you to come to my company and give me this or like make this content for me that I'm then going to make adverts from like that is massively part of the problem and also le leading back to uh, the Notre Dame thing there were some t-shirts um, on sale loads of merch came out of the woodwork after Notre Dame I don't know if you noticed but it was like uh, loads of people were tweeting it just being like are any of these profits for these t-shirts that say like we love Notre Dame or whatever that's suddenly been made overnight hmm. are they going to anywhere and they weren't hmm. yeah I don't know I think like I don't feel like there's an answer to that, really. Do, can you just, like, say no? Yeah, just... I, I, I can say no, but I just feel bad for the people that, like, don't feel they can say no. Yeah. And if they work for their scary boss who say, hey, girls, we're doing a feminist um, takeover on, on Friday for our clients to talk about empowering women. You have to stay till 9pm, but we don't have any budget because we're doing it for women. Um, that's, that's the feedback I got. These, these women in companies being like, we feel trapped and we're having to work overtime for this cause. Yeah. It's tough. I think like it's, that's what it's about, about having confidence to have your boundaries really, isn't it? I've, um, I, I'm one of, I'm someone who, I mean, I don't have, obviously I don't have that experience. Um, I might have, I might have some 
variation of it based on being mixed race. I think I've been asked to do diversity talks before, but to be honest, I've asked for quite <laughs> a lot of money because I'm like, I'm going to do a corporate thing. And the second it's corporate, well, that's it. that's it's like, thing, you got to yeah. give me the money. Like, cause yeah. I'm, I'm not going to, I don't know. Um, it's, it, you're, you're ticking a quota. You're, you're going, Oh shit. Like it's popping off online. I need my, our clients and our staff to feel mm-hmm. seen, you know, it's expertise, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, but I think it's like, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you, you there maybe there needs to just be a, an understanding that everyone's entitled to that, to that boundary maybe. And then. Uh, and that comes with age, I think, as well, a little bit and experience. Cause I think when you first get asked to do those things when you're quite young, you're a bit like, who oh, me? Yeah. Oh, that's so, I feel so honored. And then after like, I don't know, 10 years ago, you're like, show me the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Just, exactly. But maybe, but maybe this is. Are you is... frustrated by like the energy behind it? Like the fact that people can even dare do that shit? Well, I just don't like that they frame it in a way that makes me feel like I'm cornered and that. I if me saying no makes me a bad person makes yeah, me not feminist that. or something I think um I think it's just an interesting one in terms of like activists getting paid and where the line is and what do you do for free what do you don't I don't know I also think it's a relatively new problem when I worked in an office no one really spoke about feminism that well no one was trying to make money off it I think we're in a time where I don't know people try and corner you into doing extra work for free yeah I yeah it's I can definitely, I definitely vouch for the commodification of, of political identity is like really dangerous because, um, it's, it's absolute, you know, and like you can have like, you can have someone who ultimately, like one of the first, one of my first educations, um, off the back of the Me Too campaign was I read this kind of, I, th- I read this article maybe from a wom- a girl in Harvard or a woman in Harvard studied at Harvard. I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm th- pretty sure it was on that website, <laughs> but, um, it was making a very clear point, something I felt I actually played into, which was like the instant faux feminist. Do you know what I mean? Who could pretty much wear a t-shirt, like literally a t-shirt, like <laughs> could wear a t-shirt being like with, with some kind of thing on it, like pussy is amazing or like, or you know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> and, and then you just like roll in and then you're just looking to do exactly the same thing, but just from a position of being conscious and in inverted commas. Do you know what I mean? Like you could just be like, Oh yeah, yeah, I get it, man. Like, yeah, men are like being awful and stuff. And like, you know, anyway, what are you doing later? Do you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And I think it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's making sure that those people are held accountable too. And like I say, I put my hands up like that was something I think I very almost really paid into and then realized that actually the you know best thing I could do was take a look at my own actions but there was a point where there's easily you can easily just walk into a room and just point fingers mm-hmm. like, that's bad that's bad am i right girls <laughs> 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 like fuck that guy yeah you know what i mean but it's like it's it's you have to have a look at your own i don't know how you would do that in the in the context of um i i get you i get the thing with black history month for that and a lot of my friends stand up to that october comes around i even suggested a fucking uh exhibition once for my friend um who's a black artist and they were like oh well we'll have a look at october i was like come on oh my god no. i was like come on do you know what i mean it's like and it, and it, when october comes around i know for a fact that like i'm in this incredible collective called six weeks and and they so, you know a lot of the time they they'll they'll like consciously be like 
absolutely like shut down because it's like you're, you're it's all expected it's exactly what you're saying that's actually exactly what you're saying i just realized exactly that. what i'm that saying because <laughs> it's one month that you yeah. get yeah and then, and then suddenly the expectations on like right okay so we've got to show solidarity here so uh it's the powerful person at the top going we need to show our clients that we care so roll up your mm-hmm. sleeves everyone and tick some boxes yeah and that is annoying and that is terrible when actually what you could do is make a structural difference whenever you want mm-hmm. yes and because exactly. you want to so is the issue actually our categorization of of politically based events <laughs> yeah like i think Wednesday, i know but i think Wednesday, and on top Black of that if money is being made you have to and then you should pay people especially if they are people who like traditionally speaking are not paid properly or have come from like a history of oppression like dig in you know yeah yeah Jordan, okay well thank you thank so you much. so much Yo, that was you. truly insightful really is there anything was. you want to plug really quickly because you're here on our oh. podcast and you know you've you've been very kind to come and talk to us um, um if you look up six weeks the creative collective um that's s-x-w-k-s uh on instagram there's just a whole click of people doing incredible things um very inspiring amazing well, that's it for this episode. Our thanks to Jordan Stevens, of course, to Shola Aleje for producing this episode and to you for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you happen to be listening. It really is very useful for other people to find us and we really appreciate it. And do join us for another episode next week when we'll be joined by the brilliant Viv Grosscrop. 